Hi, it's Stephen DiPietro on the Stoic Leadership Podcast. Today I'm going to break from the normal pattern with a longer podcast. This is a more topical one in terms of, it's not evergreen, this is about the current situation that I'm in at the moment, which is a lot of other people at this present time, which is COVID-19. Um, like many businesses, I'm facing a tsunami. I, I know it's coming and I can't stop it. I've got an office in Shanghai that's been living the disease since January and it's, as I record this, it's now the 18th of March. I've seen it play out. There are, there's a lot of advice on being nimble, cashed up and so on, how to, how to do your personal finances. And that's fine, but there's a bigger issue at play. Things will never ever be the same. The world of never-ending, nature-defining growth has been smashed. Nature abhors infinite growth. In fact, it, it doesn't occur, and, and we're finding that out very, very quickly. The whole house of cards has come down through to a little microscopic virus. Now, I'm not going to share my boohoo story about this. Um, I've got a mystery shopping company. We depend on people going out into the field to audit stores. Soon they won't be able to. And my clients will also start pulling back. And, and like really, the clouds are coming in from both sides. I've had my first client go into liquidation and um, all of this after making a huge investment. So boohoo, lots of tough things happening. Will my business survive? I don't know. Um, but let's see how stoicism helps. I do have a feeling of calm anticipation. Often the best thing to do is the opposite. In the past two months, I started this audio diary called Stoic Leadership. It's about using a, these ancient practical tools to help me manage my business and my life. Now, remember, I've been living this since January and it's only getting worse because it's now in my backyard, but I'm okay. I, was, I had no idea that starting this series of podcasts would help me so much. Now, let me explain how. And there are four main ways that this has helped. Number one, controllables. I've got to be clear about, well, let me, I'm talking here about my personal life as well as my work life. Um, I've got to be clear about what I can and cannot control. What I can't control is the virus, whether my family or staff get sick, whether my clients leave or go broke, whether my field staff are willing to work, whether I'm forced into quarantine, whether a loved one gets seriously ill or worse. Now my dad's 83. There are two things I can control, my emotions and my actions. Now, my emotions come from my subconscious. You know, the old jump when there's a threat, anger, disappointment, relief, you know them. But the secret is to identify the emotions and then flick into the conscious mind of reasoning. Was it a line in the bushes? No. That no is the conscious mind working out what happened. Will my anger solve the problem? No. Shouldn't I arrogantly congratulate myself for solving a problem? No. This is where actions come in. Identify the emotion, let it leave, and this takes some training, and use reason. Identify the emotion and use reason. Reason is the engine of actions. Now, my staff don't need me running around in a panic. They think I've been overreacting with this virus but it's been justified to date and it's prepared them what they are now seeing is someone who's calm with everyone else freaking out and non non frantic what ifing going on everywhere because the decisions have been made the scenarios have been played out and it's done now on the scenarios that's number two negative visualization mark twain said 
I'm an old man and I have known many great troubles, but most of them never happened. Instead of posting dream boards with happy photos of vacations, houses and cars, I've been practicing negative visualization. In a nutshell, reality is never as bad as our darkest thoughts. I feel better when the worst case scenario didn't eventuate, of course I do. But to dream about endless possibilities leads to frustration. I did want to be an astro astronaut when I was a kid, but I didn't become an astronaut. A lot of these dreams are just empty, shallow vessels. Now, Seneca's got something to say on this as well. He says to set aside a certain number of days during which you shall be content with the scantiest and cheapest fare. With coarse and rough dress, saying to yourself all the while, is this the condition I feared? I'll read that one again. Now, Seneca was a very rich guy, but he says, set aside a certain number of days during which you shall be content with the scantiest and cheapest fare with coarse and rough dress saying to yourself for a while is this the condition i feared now in practice tim ferris famously called it fear setting he's got a famous ted talk that's that can be referenced below i won't go into the whole exercise but he suggests we should define what could go wrong work out how i can prevent it see how i can repair it if it happens and then what would the benefits of partial success look like? And what's the cost of inaction? So he confronts those fears, those negatives front on. That's the practical side, but then there's also an emotional side. Emotionally, negative visualizations need to go one step further. I try to feel, I really try to feel what this disaster scenario will feel like. How will it feel if my biggest client leaves? How will it feel if a loved one gets sick or worse? I call this emotional training. I remember when my wife attended prenatal classes before the birth of our first child. The main benefit of these prenatal classes was to, to show us and tell us what to expect. If X happens, don't panic. It's normal. If you feel an excruciating pain as if the insides, your insides are going to explode, it's normal. And so on. This not only helped my wife but it helped me i could see the patterns they were describing during delivery and as a result i stayed calm and i could keep my wife calm we didn't freak out because we, we'd felt the emotions we knew what was coming never ne negative visualization is a key emotion training exercise it's not an exercise in the dark dreary depression sort of mental state sort of exercise on the contrary it helps you realize that Things are not as bad as you may think. The good times, they're easy to deal with. Dealing with the emotions of winning are easy. It's the opposite that creates the challenges. So the negative visualization prepares me emotionally for when bad times happen. So when they happen, I don't feel as bad about them. In fact, I'm almost relieved and happy that they're not as bad. Now, the third thing is acceptance. There's a stoic term called amor fati, or love of fate. This means making the best of anything that happens. Philosopher Epictetus says, do not seek the things to happen the way you want them to. Rather, wish that what happens, happened the way it happens. Then you will be happy. Say that one again. Do not seek for things to happen the way you want them to happen. Rather, wish that what happens, happened the way it happens. Then you'll be happy. It's a, it's a quite a fatalistic way to look at it. As I write this, we're in the middle of this COVID-19 pandemic. Businesses are closing down. People are suffering and dying. How can I talk about being happy? Well, behind every storm lurks the sun. 
still shining in all its, in all its brilliance. The sun will reappear. It won't reemerge, but it will reappear. It is there even now. The sun doesn't have to do anything. All that has to happen is the clouds have to disperse. The sun continues to shine. At this, this very moment, the sun is shining behind your darkest clouds. It's just being blocked temporarily. So during these troubled times, times, I can detect the rays of sunshine peeking through. I read of fathers appreciating the opportunity to be in isolation with their wife and kids, the family units that are reunited and living as we lived tens of thousands of years ago. I read of business people who are taking the opportunity to reorganize their businesses throughout necessity. I'm receiving random calls from people who just want to call to say hi. My suggestion is to practice negative visualization. One may think, one may think I, was be, I was being overly negative, and now I might be sounding almost too optimistic. Yeah, look at the bright side. But don't be confused, it's simple. Prepare for the worst, then when you don't get there, the appreciation has a space to open. It will open the sun. It will open those rays of sunshine. It doesn't make the problem go away, but you'll get those glimmers of sunshine. So here's how it plays out. Imagine this. My business has been shuttered, which it hasn't at this point. I'm stuck at home with bills to pay, big, big bills, and it's really playing out as a scenario that I've imagined. I've even thought through as to how I'd grow tomatoes in my backyard and maybe in winter grow potatoes. Could I get some chickens? Ridiculous thoughts, I suppose, but then I also imagine how I would feel emotionally if some disaster struck. But the pandemic rose outside of my control. I couldn't control any of it. It's not my fault. I feel no guilt. I've practiced the scenario in my head. I've not quite grown tomatoes and started feeding chickens, but the supermarkets, yeah, they're chaotic, but they're okay. Some utility companies have given payment holidays and the government has given some help. It's not as catastrophic as I thought. I'm not, it's not that bad although it's horrendous. You know, my, the kids are running around, we're all together, we laugh, we fight, we cry, we adjust the way to the way our previous ancestors lived. The kids have never seen so much of me. I'm, I, I'm imagining people homeschooling kids by accident. I'm planning my business for post-apocalypse. What will I do post-apocalypse? I have very little private time with my wife, big sigh there but we seem to have grown closer together we don't just have those how was your day chat before i scoff down my dinner and watch some tv so sure i'm worried about my parents and a million other things but those rays of sunshine are deliciously warm and i and if i stand in the right spot i can find them the final thing is journaling i i sit down for a few minutes every day and just write it's a conscious stream it forces me to sit in quiet it's much easier than meditating and equally therapeutic. I've written a journal and I then formalize that journal with a blog post of my thoughts, as well as this podcast. This podcast forces me to order my thoughts even further. So just write. There's a reference below by a guy called James Holiday who's got a daily stoic book. and we actually, It actually kind of has a page for each day and it forces you to to write about different topics. And I use those topics, mainly they inform me as to the topics that I'm going to talk about in this podcast. So great thanks to Ryan Holiday. 
journaling helps me in many ways. It, it, it forces me to stop. It forces me to take a moment to myself. It forces me to visualize. Journaling helps me discover the things hidden, hidden deep in my mind, but only if I'm really open with myself. And it forces gratitude. Somehow gratitude just comes to the surface when you're journaling. Many of the most successful people in the world have religiously journaled. I do it once or twice a day. I'll leave you with one quote by Seneca. When the light has been removed and my wife has fallen silent, aware of this habit that's now mine, I examine the entire day and go back over what I've done and said, hiding nothing from myself, passing nothing by. Beautiful writing. When the light has been removed and my wife has fallen silent, aware of this habit that's now mine, I examine my entire day and go back over what I've done and said, hiding nothing from myself, passing nothing by. Seneca. Try it. Sit there. Write. Write anything. If you do these things, you'll find those little rays of delicious, warm sunshine. I'm Stephen DiPietro. Thanks for tuning in.